Well, hello and welcome to episode 464 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. I am Carlos and in this week's packed show, a jet bridge has a fight with a Dreamliner door, an American decides Ryanair's windows are his and one airline asks passengers to get off as they are too heavy. In the military news this week, it's not just commercial airliners that can fly long distances, and we have a look at what one manufacturer is hoping to do this year at Riyadh. Plus, we have the book giveaway and loads, loads more in this very, very busy show this evening. So joining me across the village in a very damp, wet and not so warm this week, but I bet it's still warm in the PTUK Master Suite Studios. It is Matt Smith. Actually, it's it's uh, it's a normal temperature in here at the moment. Uh, what have we got? We have uh, we have nineteen at the moment. It's really quite pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> Freezing. Make a change, doesn't it? <laughs> it does make a change. Yeah, we've we've had uh, some very warm weather, and it seems like someone switched off the summertime now. Yeah, we're uh, we're yeah. back to um, mind you, we're back. We're back to the kind of weather that Gemma loves because it means okay. that she has got to go and water the garden. <laughs> right, okay, yeah, that's true. Actually, I've got a reprieve because Mum's away in Ireland at the moment and so that means I've got a reprieve on uh, watering the garden, thank goodness, I'm pleased to say. <laughs> yes, yes, but I'm... I have been told I've been given strict orders to keep an eye on the hanging baskets and the tomato plants. Oh, I see, oh, I see. Is she not at home then? No, she's gone away for a girly <gasps> weekend. What? To the to the glorious Cambridge. Oh, oh, that's yes. classy. Oh, that's very yes. classy. Well, you know what she's like. True, uh, true. Yes. Uh, what do you think about Cambridge, Nev? Oh yeah, I, I like it. It's one of my favourite cities. Mm, me too, actually. Uh, yes, very nice place to walk around. Um, too many students are I liking, but <laughs> you know. It is University City. Can't, so can't have everything, can we? No, indeed, <laughs> indeed. Uh, otherwise, it would be perfection, and you'd probably live there. Yeah, <laughs> quite. <laughs> so, uh, before we uh, say hello to everyone in the YouTube chat room, there is a new program on the telly box right now, and it's an aviation-based show, uh, starring someone who a lot of you will know because he is—he does quite a bit for film and telly and stuff. It's <laughs> Idris Elba, and this particular program will be this will be a shock for for Matt and Nev because this particular program is actually being uh, broadcast on Apple TV. Yes, Wait, I see. whoa, whoa, Apple what TV? <laughs> and before you ask. I can't go into any detail, but no, I did not subscribe to Apple TV. Uh, it's a new series called Hijack. And uh, if you've not already seen it yet, I have uh, watched the first uh, four episodes. I think the fifth episode is being released, I think, later this week or later this week or next week, I think. But if you've not already seen it, uh, we've got a little quick promo uh, to play for you here. Because I have to say, after watching four episodes... They've done a good job. So, Matt, if you want to just uh, hit the button. With any remaining passengers for flight KA29, please make their way to gate B15. Good morning, everyone. This is Captain Robin Allen speaking. Flight time today, six hours, 54 minutes. No! 
operation has commenced. Rose tablets. The plane is under control. You need to see this. The plane did, of course. Someone is calling for help. Got family, loved ones. We got one job to do right now, just get through to them. I got a message from the plane. Dad says, incident on board. What exactly does your dad do for a living? It's difficult to explain. Sam's the best at handling it. Handling what? The negotiation. There are 200 people on this flight. If they try something, and then this plane goes down, I don't get home to my family. Let me make you an offer. I've been handed demands. If it's all going wrong in the first hour, imagine the next six. We need to get a message to the whole plane. We just need to be ready. There's other stuff going down. Five passengers on that plane do not exist. It's a network running all across Europe. To them, we're an incoming missile. See, we're us or them. I can tell you, it's not going to be us. That's yeah. exciting. <laughs> Are BA going to be showing that on their fear of flying force? <laughs> yeah. Probably not. And I, I did have my critique hat on when I started watching it. I bet you did. I bet you were picking holes in I, it left, I, right and centre, well, weren't you? Do you know what, Matt? I've got, <laughs> I've got to be honest with you. Yeah. Apart from a few uh, uh, CRM things which were a little bit off. So, sorry, so explain. Uh, crew resource management kind of things. Some of the things that they said on the flight deck were a little bit right okay not quite with it but visually and and i know because i read up on the film before this uh, on the series before this was released they actually did use an actual real a330 uh, to do the filming in um with the flight deck and everything um it's it's been done it's been done well okay i, I will i will it, i'll tell you what it's probably the best one that i've seen for a number of years which involves you know uh, an airliner so okay if you've not already seen it, it's on Apple TV. Um, mm. And I know a few people in the chat room have said they're going to, I might uh, have a look. Dirk said he's got three months three months Apple TV for free. So um, that might be an excuse for you to watch. Uh, yeah, to absolutely. Watch. But it's, it's good. It's good. Idris is a fantastic actor. I, yeah. I do um, like Idris quite a bit for his acting. But, yeah, it's worth a watch. <laughs> Yeah, like snakes that. on a plane. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Captain Cruz is saying for some for some reasons they'll never show these onboard aircraft like snakes on a plane. Yeah, absolutely. No. Yeah. Although Carlos, I wouldn't be at all surprised because I know some of the some of these systems do actually have. Um, is it like um, crash investigation programs on some of them? Don't they? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and and you have watched them on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You. Weirdo. I have them on my tablet. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but uh, no, all, all jokes aside, it's a really good series and uh, mm. well worth a watch. And like I said, I'm I'm waiting for the the next episode five to come out hopefully soon, very soon. It's uh, I think it's an eight part series. This um, this program is so okay. Worth worth a watch, yeah, if you get a chance. Going to say hello to everyone in the chat room this evening. Let's start at the top of the list. Dirk S, hello to you. Uh, we've got Mazus who's in there, our local listener Mazus. Welcome to you, Jenny. 
Uh, she's uh, in in a very hot part of the uh, of Europe. Uh, Logan Lynch, hello to you. We've got Hobby Time, hello to you. Main Man Micah, Uncle Micah's in there as well. Uh, he says it's 26 degrees Celsius where he is. Uh, Nick's in there as well. Hello to you, Nick and Kieran O'Neill. He's uh, coming from a very rainy Northern Ireland. Uh, Captain Cruz, hello to you. Captain Ridiculous Wits, wouldn't be the chat room without Tim in there this week. Uh, Arnie's in there as well. Hello to you, Arnie. And uh, Neville Bounds is also in there as well. He's wielding the boots banner of doom, just in case any bots kick off tonight. But uh, don't forget, if you are listening to our voices on uh, the audio show, check us out on YouTube. Just look for us, Plain Talking UK. And also hit the subscribe button and the bell icon to be notified when Matt's pressing the live button. And then you can join us on YouTube and our fantastic chat room because they are all amazing. So it's well worth the stuff. Neil Braden has joined as well. Haven't heard from Neil for ages. Oh, hello, Neil. So, uh, hope you're well, Neil. Nice to have you on board. Good to see you in there. And welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining us on this Friday evening. Just coming up to ten past seven this evening. So we've got loads to get through, uh, including the commercial news. So if all the team are ready. Uh, yes, he says. Frantic. Yes, he's ready. Yes. He's ready. Yes. <laughs> Do it. Beer in hand. So the first uh, story for this week comes just from simpleflying.com. Must admit, when I saw the pictures on social media this week did uh, strike me as being rather amusing to see an aircraft door laying on the uh, well on underneath the aircraft as opposed to being attached to the aircraft uh, an american airlines 787 has been damaged this week at dublin airport images shared on social media show a jet bridge attached to the aircraft that appears to have collapsed uh, ripping the second left door off in the process the aircraft were preparing to depart for Philadelphia in the US and jet bridges, as we all know, are complex pieces of equipment able to move in a multitude of directions, including up and down. And as a result, plenty of training is required to uh, use these from members of staff. However, like many complex pieces of machinery, they are able to malfunction, which appears to be the case with this. Uh, November 812 Alpha Alpha is a seven-year-old 787-8 Dreamliner operated by American Airlines. The aircraft landed in Dublin from Chicago as AA208. The aircraft was due to only spend a few hours on the ground in the Irish capital, but now looks like the aircraft won't be flying anywhere soon. So photos shared on social media show the Aer Lingus branded jet bridge low to the ground next to the 787. It's also notable that there is a hole in the fuselage door, but no hanging uh, door hanging next to the entrance as is normal when opened. Instead, the door can be seen laying on the ground underneath the aircraft. Uh, social media photos also showed the incident that uh, the incident was attended by at least three heavy duty fire and rescue vehicles and a fourth lighter vehicle as well. So what happened here? I say, do we have any ind indication as to as to as to the cause of this? I mean, you're saying it's because the, the you know, it sort of indicated that the that the uh, bridge, the air bridge malfunctioned. But but did it? 
Or... Well, I know they're they're operated on on like a pneumatic system, aren't they? And, you, and if you look at the jet bridges, they've got like a joystick kind of thing which you can use to move maneuver the. Um, yes, but d did it bridge. malfunction, or did somebody have the control stick upside down, or like? <laughs> I, I I just imagine someone sort of leaning on the control panel and going whoop oh oh, oh sorry you know like that or something. Nev, what do you think? <laughs> well, it just makes a nice change from someone not blowing a slide, doesn't it? Well, yeah. that's true, yeah, yeah. actually taking the whole door off this time. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, is, that is certainly thing. Yeah. Uh, Dirk S is saying in the chat room, Sir, you can't park that here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. I mean, on a day like today, it would be a bit awkward because you've, you've not got no door and the rain, as we all know, does sort of fall, you know, as a curvature of the aircraft, it would probably fall inside the air. You'd have to put a big big old piece of plastic over there, I think. I mean, it. I assume that they will have uh, obviously, um, well, not evacuated, because, I mean, it was hardly an emergency, although I dare say it had a bit it had a bit of a bump and a knock and a rock and, and made a blooming horrible noise when it all went terribly wrong. I dare say there was a, a little bit of panic here and there with those who were on board. I assume people were on board. It wasn't starting its journey. Um, I, I guess they were unloaded using, like, air stairs at the rear, I guess. Yeah, I think I think um, the whole thing was that they were they'd landed. The passengers were obviously getting ready to come off, and obviously, as as the story mm. said, the aircraft was due to only be on the ground for a few hours, and then get mm. straight back to the US. So, with this aircraft being stuck in, as we said, in in Dublin, although I think Dublin, I th I'm pretty sure Dublin's got a maintenance base yeah, there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so okay. whether 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 this will be, I mean, I'm sure. I mean, it, it has to be. It will have to be fixed at Dublin you know it can't exactly just fly over to a Heathrow or somewhere to be fixed it'll have to be fixed in Dublin I mean sure uh <laughs> I mean it's going to cost a few quid yeah There's no doubt about that but I mean I mean you're saying that they've got maintenance there I mean do they have appropriate maintenance for that particular aircraft yeah it's a good question Matt uh, I don't know I mean they might fly some people in mm perhaps to, to do that yeah. I mean I, I can't help but feel perhaps if this door has fallen off uh, that it won't necessarily be fan it's been ripped off uh, Reyes, I, I don't know if it'll be you know like where do you start in terms of mending the hinges and and all this kind of yeah. thing because if you bend you know if you bend the door it's a major event isn't it because you've you've damaged the catch you've damaged the the hanging you know the the hangers and, and also the mechanisms mm -hmm. the lot I yeah. mean that's that's not going to be a five minute fix is it mm. No, I also wonder about the, the fuselage integrity as well because of mm. these are carbon fibre-based uh, aircraft in terms of manufacturing. Mm. So there's some things to think about there. I, I'm not an expert in no. carbon fibre uh, manufacturing. but Other than um, we all know it's very expensive. <laughs> yeah, it is. Isn't <laughs> yeah. It? So um, yeah. that's going to be on the ground for uh, three or four weeks, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've yeah. cost a fortune in parking charges, if nothing else. Oh, God, God, yeah. <laughs> mind, you, well, mind you, if it turns out that it was the airport's fault, I guess you could argue that, because it wasn't the plane's fault. <laughs> true. That yeah. is very as true. long as it was parked where it was supposed to be. I mean, that's the only thing that could spoil it, but... Uh, yeah, anyway. That's there what we Liverpool go. Victoria Insurance is for, isn't Ah, it? very good, yes. Other providers are available. <laughs> of course, always. Uh <laughs> now, moving on swiftly, Nev, you have got the next story, and it's good news for anyone who wants to become a pilot. Yeah, well, we're always talking about on the show about trying to get people through the system again, whether it's cabin crew or whether it's pilots. And on uh, pilotcareersnews.com, uh, it says that a major announcement made at Pilot Careers Live North on the 8th of 
July in Manchester, BA has revealed its ambitious new recruitment plans for eligible trainee pilots and military flight crews. Uh, set to launch on Friday the 14th, that's today, it's a British Airways Whitetail recruitment programme in partnership with approved training associations, uh, organisations, sorry, uh, um, Skybourne, uh, L3 Harris, Leading Edge Aviation, FTE, Hareth and CAE. Uh, BA is stepping up efforts to recruit and train pilots of the future. Uh, the programme involves a process where trainee pilots will be tagged by BA as potential candidates uh, suitable for a career with the airline. Eligibility for the Whitetail recruitment programme extends to any students enrolled in courses uh, with the partnering ATOs, regardless of whether they're pursuing modular or integrated training paths. To qualify, students must have completed their air transport pilot license theory exams, uh, provided that students meet the stringent entry criteria laid out by British Airways, they will receive conditional job offers from the airline. This criteria includes an average of 85% on ground school exams, no more than three exam retakes, only one allowed course re-enrolment and a first series pass in commercial pilot license and instrument rating. Uh, applicants must hold an APS MCC certification and hold their UK part FCL license. And this opportunity is open to anyone who completed their training from the 1st of January 2020 onwards. So that's good, isn't it? Good to see that although yeah. the bar is being set quite high there. Yeah. Um, as always, we've got a shortage of pilots, so uh, planning for the future. Definitely, definitely. Try and get a few more people. I wonder how many airlines are genuinely sort of regretting, like not keeping keeping their pilots on the books a bit longer. You know, in, in like COVID times and all that kind of thing. I, I bet there must be some some regretted decisions in there somewhere. Especially, well, in there's, there's plenty. I think, and bearing in mind that back in the day, not that many years ago, the uh, mandatory retirement agent uh, age at British Airways was fifty five. Mm. Uh, so that meant that you know people were going out of the system very quickly, yeah. uh, and I think still is the case that people decided we we know one or two people ourselves that took early retirement mm -hmm. um, because of the long haul sectors they were running um, before the actual the actual retirement age. Yeah. Um, again, so that puts more pressure on the incoming uh, student pilots, doesn't it? Indeed. Indeed. I, I know through talking to a friend, very good friend of our, show, uh, who you know, Matt, and Nev knows as well of the mm -hmm. show, that um, he's um, just been down the last few weeks to um, to BA for mm -hmm. a, a chat about piloting. And the, and the it is very, very um, stringent, the mm -hmm. bits and pieces I require. It is very, very much, uh, yeah. A, a difficult process to go through, I mm. think, is what he said. So, yeah, I bet I don't, I, I don't yeah. doubt that for a minute. Um, so, moving on, Matt, mm. you have got the next story, and it, oh, it's a Ryanair story. I know it's story number three. We normally mm. have it on number two, but Matt, it's a it's a Ryanair story. And I have to say, when I saw the video online, I wasn't expecting it to be. How do I put this? A non European or UK passenger 
Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. Okay. So we'll, um, uh, first of all, uh, you say you've seen it. Is that, are we all right for language on this, by the way? Or do I yes, need to we run? Are, yeah, yeah, okay. Right. Fine, fine. Yeah. 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 Lovely. Okay. All right then. So, uh, uh and this is also making me nervous because my mum, uh, went with Ryanair to Belfast today. So I hope she had a trouble, oh, trouble free oh, flight. She'll well, be no, in charge of the flight. No, no, no. She, she no, no. My mum would absolutely start it. That, that's the <laughs> bit that I'm worried about. Bless her. Uh, anyway, uh, wild, wild video captures America. American and Brit exchanging blows on a Ryanair flight. I can't ama- imagine an American flying Ryanair. I feel I like that, I, f- I feel like that would be offensive in some way. Anyway, two passengers were captured in a shocking video swinging at each other on a Ryanair flight after one allegedly refused to let the other get to his window seat. The, fistis cu- the fisticuffs erupted on the July 3rd flight from Malta to London Stansted, according to News Flare. The shorter guy on the left is American and had the window seat. The taller man on the right with a cap on is British and had the aisle seat. Passenger uh, Neil Modwadia uh, who recorded the fight told the outlet the British man wouldn't let the American pass uh, the American man pass through to get to his window seat and then some words and swears were exchanged that's why I'm nervous about the language uh, before a scuffle broke out he said uh, flight attendants and fellow passengers quickly intervened and separated the two combatants uh, will never get home one person is heard saying during the fracas in a statement Ryanair said two passengers on its flight from Malta to Stansted on the 3rd of July became disruptive ahead of takeoff cabin crew diffused the situation before the aircraft departed safely for Stansted following a minor delay uh, Modwadia said that the fight was actually delayed by two hours leaving everyone extremely in so uh, here we go then here's the video oh i say it's all a bit oh it's a bit brutal isn't it i know it's it's (laughs) oh it's proper getting stuck in well i say it's it's the the, whoa 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 what are you doing what are you doing (laughs) I love that someone says, stop, or we'll never get away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's some truth in that, though, isn't it? Because depending on how, oh, yeah. you know, how much it is. Anyway, enough of that. I'm bored of that already. Uh, it's just like... That Nev is sitting there going... Yeah, furious, he is. You're absolutely furious, aren't you, Nev? <laughs> I, I've got to go on this aircraft. <laughs> this this, this Ryanair thing. You and me, Carlos. <laughs> yes. We as have, long as you two eggs. promise not to have a fight, like, before you like... <laughs> I don't, I don't want you Maybe two fighting over a, 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 Perhaps you could have a bit of a mock argument just, just yes. for a bit of a laugh. And that, then I could get banned from flying with the airline. <laughs> oh, perhaps we should try. Sorry, are you sitting in 1A? I was going to say, that's the only me. fight that would break out between you two is if Carlos was sitting in seat 1A. He would be absolutely... Oh, it would never be, be fuming. Me. Yeah, absolutely, indeed. <laughs> yeah, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't aware that there was a business class on Ryanair. Oh, blimey. I think business yeah. class is the aisle seat, isn't it? You know, like, you know, the one near the emergency exits. <laughs> I tried to find out if these people were either booted off the aircraft or whether they just got a stern telling off, but I couldn't find out any details anywhere. So whether they actually um, took these two people off and said, right, off you go and don't bother mm. coming back, I don't know, because as far as I'm concerned, that was a damn good fight. You know, I mean, that that, was... they should have been offloaded. I don't yeah. understand why they've been yeah. allowed to travel. Uh, yeah, but that generates a lot of paperwork for Ryanair, isn't it, if that happens? So, <laughs> I mean, you know, just saying. 
Well, yeah, jail yeah. in Malta would be the perfect antidote, Mark Priestley says. Well, yeah, true. True yes, that. I've not been in one, but I have personally seen one in Malta. Oh, have um, you? Yeah. And they are did, a, a non-air-conditioned, not you, very nice place to be. Did you Did you have a night at, night at Her Majesty's no, Pleasure, then, did you? <laughs> not in Malta, no. No, I, 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 I was lucky enough uh, many years ago to, to have a quick tour around one of the local village um, uh, police stations. Where right. They had okay. like a two-cell jail, and it was... It was Blooming hot. Was it because you were looking for a night at a Majesty's no, I, Pleasure? No, I didn't want to right. stay there. I didn't want to <laughs> okay, stay there. Right. As much as I'm older, I don't want to go to jail. Love that. Neil Braden says, 30 seconds later, they were selling scratch cards. <laughs> Ah. Oh, we have the best audience, oh, don't we? I, know, <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I love it. Ah, moving on swiftly <laughs> to the next story. And oh, another brilliant story, this one I found this week. I, this amused me highly. I even had to, I had to read this on two or three different sites to find out if it was a joke. But t- Times of India, this one came from. And the headline, airline asks 19 passengers to get off a flight because it was too heavy to take off. Yes, you heard me correctly. Uh, in a surprising incident, a UK airline, being EasyJet, yes, you heard me correctly, requested some of its passengers to descend from a flight that was deemed too heavy to take off. The incident gained attention on social media after a witness passenger shared a video recording of the pilot's announcement. And according to The Independent, on July the 5th, the flight was scheduled to depart from airport in Spain at approximately 9.45 in the evening. However, due to unfavourable weather conditions and the aircraft ex- exceeding its weight limit, uh, the departure was delayed until 11.30pm. Subsequently, several passengers were asked to voluntarily leave the flight to reduce the weight and enable it to take off. In the passengers' video, uh, the recorded, the pilot expresses gratitude to all the air, uh, passengers for their presence and acknowledges the heavy weight of the aircraft, attributing to the high number of passengers. The captain also explains that the runway is too short for takeoff and the winds are unfavourable in Lanzarote, rendering the aircraft too heavy for flight. To address the issue, the captain announces a solution proposed by the operations team to reduce the weight of the aircraft. Now, I'd be interested to hear what uh, you two guys think of this. To incentivise passengers, he offers, on behalf of the airline, EasyJet, €500 to each passenger who chooses to forgo the journey to Liverpool on that particular night. The captain uh, also seeked 20 volunteers for this daring task. Within two hours, approximately 19 passengers willingly volunteered, I'm not surprised, uh, to leave the flight. And an EasyJet spokesperson confirmed that EZY3364 from Lanzarote to Liverpool on the previous evening experienced a voluntary rebooking due to the aircraft exceeding weight limits for the prevailing weather conditions. The spokesperson also emphasised that such procedures are standard and implemented for safety reasons across all airlines, not just EasyJet. Additionally, the volunteers were provided with compensation under regulations and the spokesperson concluded by affirming that the airline prioritised the safety of both passengers and crew. Now, you bought your ticket on EasyJet, which Mm. most people buy their tickets um, as a standalone yeah, item, yeah. there are some people who do the package deals with EasyJet. Um, but if you were buying a ticket to Lanzarote, I did have a quick little look online, and the price of a return flight to Lanzarote at the moment in, is in and around anywhere from two sixty to about three hundred pounds. Hmm. Well, if you think about it, a family of four, that could be quite valuable, couldn't it? Mm. 
Um, the runway length at Lanzarote isn't that long, by the way, 7,874 feet or 2,400 metres. So that's not huge. No. Bearing, that's about the same as Luton, I think, something like that. Gosh. Uh, bearing in mind Stansted is 10,000 feet and Heathrow is 12,000 and a bit. Okay. So it gives you an idea. So it, with high temperatures and uh, unfavourable wind conditions, so the, the runway orientation is runway 2, 1 and 0, 3. So it depends on, the, obviously, the direction of the wind. Um, and, yeah, that happens reasonably regularly, I would say. Um, it's happened to me once before, mm-hmm. um, where we were asked to. Where were we going from? Gothenburg, I think it was. Um, not quite the same circumstances, uh, but I was offered 300 euros to take a flight via Manchester on an alternative flight, um, which was leaving later that day. Um, so, um, but um, no, this this can happen, can't it? Especially when you're going down to the Canary Islands, uh, where it's quite warm this time of year, and um, yeah, with so, relatively short runways. Yeah. So, Nev, uh, forgive my naivety here. Again, this is this is why I'm here. Let's be honest. So, uh, you, so it's three hundred euros is what they gave you for for the um, for like you know like your, your your payment if you like for agreeing to take a, a different. Do you have to find an alternative flight yourself, or do they help you rebook on no, a later flight? They, or? they booked it for me. They said, "Would you like to go on the uh, the flight tonight via Manchester?" Uh, back to Heathrow, so I did that. Um, yeah. They booked it all for me, and I think I got the money within a week. Something oh, like wow, that. okay. Yeah. So, yeah. See, I mean, it's just, for me, like, it's like if they said to you, like, we've got a flight for you tomorrow, um, then I'd be absolutely good. you think, well, as long as I brought my work laptop with me so that I can work um you know because usually most people are coming home just in time to go back to work aren't they i mean you don't normally come back and have do the sensible thing and have a couple of days before you do so you're sort of trying to fly fly back and that so as long as i got my work laptop with me so i could work from the the airport if you see what i mean or or somewhere like that then you'd be like yeah absolutely fine i'll i'll have the 500 quid or or 300 euros or whatever you know like uh I, I, it's uh you know and i I can't it's not compensation. Oh, I think it's all right. Yeah. I think it's all right, isn't it? Yeah. I think so. Um, but yeah. I, I, if you um, get a chance, I think the the link was on the um, link for this story, um, but I didn't get a chance to, to 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 download it for Matt. But if you get a chance to listen on the story to the PA, because it is on social media, the PA that the pilot gave. Okay. I th- I thought the pilot gave an incredibly detailed and mm. very apologetic PA. That he he actually went into detail yeah. as to why the aircraft could not take off with the weight they had on board in regards to the heat, weather, and the wind and stuff. But don't you think I that's so him. important, though? Don't you think that's so important? Yeah. I mean, I'd like to think that all pilots would do that. Do you know what I mean? Because we're not idiots, are we? And uh, unless there's a very good reason why, I can understand why there might be a scenario where perhaps you don't want to alarm people or or worry people. But actually. I mean, we're all grown-ups, aren't we? So explaining the reason why you've got to do this is because you want to, you know, safety is paramount. I know it's a terrible inconvenience, but we are going to give you all this money. I mean, surely that's the right thing to do, Nev, isn't it? Yeah, also he he did the uh, announcement from the cabin. So he was at the 1L door on the cabin crew PA, and that's the way to do it. So not hiding in his cockpit. You see the fella or lady... Uh, doing the PA makes mm. a huge difference and Al's so. spoken about this many times before you know you can get everybody on board mm. figuratively speaking um, by um, all by on the sh- same page yeah 
it being being visible yeah absolutely yeah as you say not hiding in the cockpit to do it i think because that's a bit of a cop-out almost isn't it you're almost giving the problem to the cabin crew if you do it like that aren't you I, I, I did reach out to a, a couple of very good friends of ours of the show who both uh, fly uh, in Europe mm-hmm. uh, uh, for uh, for other carriers. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they did say that this does happen every yeah. so often. It's not a, it's not a one off. It does happen. You know, you know, not every day, but it does happen. Reason yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, and, and it's to do with the weather. It, it is, is, it, well, and it's a safety thing at the end of the day, isn't it? It's yeah. like so we can still make our flight. Um, the majority of people can make it, but um, you know, uh, here, here, have a load of money and, and go on a different yeah. flight. I think, yeah, all right, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I think all of us, all of us pilots and all the geeks and everyone who watches this show mm. will know that hot and humid weather does. You're play... not saying it right, Carlos, especially when you're from Norfolk. Yes. Well. <laughs> Hot and moist weather. No, 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 no. Humid. <laughs> humid. Hot and humid weather. You've got a Chandler in a Jim Bacon. It's humid. <laughs> play quite, uh, quite a you know, part in, in, in uh, aircraft mm. operations when, in, when it's taking off on hot and humid yeah, weather. Indeed. It's not uh, the best. I mean, you can see it here at Beckles when it's a hot day yeah. and the parachute plane, even you know, the Cessna caravan, doesn't, well, it doesn't struggle, but it, it's not as frisky as it would be no. in cooler climbs as to say indeed but, uh, anyway matt now your next story is another one i found this week which i found quite amusing and uh i'd be interested to see what uh, nev makes of this <laughs> oh okay brace yourself here we go then uh, so we're off to the guardian for this story and the headline is united flight to amsterdam reportedly diverted to chicago over meal choice <laughs> Okay, it's an unusual headline, isn't it? Uh, A United Airlines flight heading from Houston to Amsterdam was diverted to Chicago after an unruly business class passenger interrupted the flight, reportedly because his first meal choice was unavailable. The flight took off at 4.20pm local time in Houston on Sunday and was in Chicago airspace two hours into the flight. Flight tracking website Flight Radar 24 showed that the plane circled Chicago's O'Hare airport as it had to use up fuel known as dumping fuel or it would have been too heavy to land. In a statement to The Guardian, United said United Flight 20 from George Bush into Continental Airport to Amsterdam diverted to O'Hare International airport and landed safely following a passenger disturbance. Law enforcement met the aircraft at the gate and escorted the passenger off the plane. The aircraft then continued to Amsterdam. According to Flight Radar 24, the flight ended up landing just over three hours after its scheduled arrival, touching down at around about 12.30pm local time in Amsterdam. The typical total flight for the trip is 9 hours and 30 minutes. While it is unclear exactly what what meal the unruly passenger had gotten upset over, business class passengers on United are typically offered a full three-course meal in addition to more food throughout the flight. The Federal Aviation Administration can impose fines on passengers for unruly behaviour up to $37,000 for each violation, with each incident having the potential for multiple violations. Passengers are also subject to being prosecuted on criminal charges. Well, Nev. I mean, (laughs) when I I went out, when I flew out in May to the States and I and I pre-ordered my food on American in in business class, I pre-ordered the chicken, roast chicken, Mm. which they didn't have. So 
I opted in the end for salmon. Right. right? But I, I poor you. Care. I couldn't care less. <laughs> I would have had whatever. I, I don't care. It's nice yeah. food at the end of the day. I already couldn't care less. I, I certainly no. would um, get upset and <laughs> kick mm. off on uh, the flight. Nev seems very unimpressed by all this. I <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> It, I know the, tr- the, the trouble is the, the sense of entitlement yes. from some business oh, class yes. and Absolutely. first class passengers leaves me stunned. Yeah. Really. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess their uh, argument they, they, would be is that they paid over the odds, you know, and and you quite yeah, often well, you quite often hear this argument, don't you? Where well, I virtually paid for this whole flight. I don't. You know. think, <laughs> no, no, no. I, 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 th- I know you're trying to be a bit cheeky and being that yeah, that, that yeah I'm, I'm playing devil, like devil's advocate you know yes, me well, yes yeah, but, uh, <laughs> i'll stop uh, i'll no stop room, my silliness immediately there's no room for that argument in this nope. <laughs> no, fair enough. people need to behave themselves <laughs> yep. and to cause a diversion or yes. disruption of the flight oh, is not on regardless i, of I would like to think i know there, i know it said in the story here that they can be fined and and like you know and penalties and all that kind of thing but i would like to think like you know you know when you get like if there's been an incident say here in the UK and you're expected you know and the courts give you a fine compensation and you have to pay for like court costs and all that kind of thing I seriously hope that this individual with all his money who thinks he's entitled etc etc ended up paying for that diversion See, you know, was and there... the compensation I mean I, I guess they would would they have got compensation for the three hour day delay I don't know quite what the rules are in the states uh... Is it three or four hours? Oh, more might be. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Yep. But, but I, it was, doesn't was seem there alcohol fa- involved. That's the question. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Who knows? Oh uh, well, um, never mind. Arnie, Arnie uh, says in the chat room, United Airlines cabin crew were unable to defuse the situation. No surprise. No, un- un- unlike Ryanair, apparently. <laughs> Who man? I mean, to be honest with you, that 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 video we were watching earlier, I wouldn't say that the situation had been diffused. I think they just punched punched the energy out of each other and then moved on. But <laughs> yeah. uh, there we go. That's just like. <laughs> so moving on to the next story, we're gonna we're gonna stick with food, uh, with the next story. And uh, Nev, it's a BA story, and I'm quite liking the sound of this. Yeah, very much so. It's on the day, uh, TravelDailyMedia.com. Uh, it says that British Airways is introducing holiday treats mm-hmm. for its customers to enjoy this summer, including refreshing ice cream, uh, pre-takeoff bubbles in World Traveller Plus, seasonal menus and brand new in-flight entertainment as part of its ongoing commitment to customers. The airline is offering complimentary ice cream on daytime flights mm-hmm. departing from London Heathrow and London Gatwick before 5pm UK time, uh, partnering with fellow British brand Jude's to offer a range of flavours from very vanilla, strawberry and cream, mm-hmm. truly chocolate and salted caramel. Uh, the treats, produced less than 60 miles from Heathrow in Hampshire, will be available for customers to enjoy over the coming months when travelling in World Traveller Plus and World Traveller Cabins. Uh, BA is also reintroducing sparkling wine in its World Traveller Plus cabin from mid-July as part of its pre-takeoff drink offering. Those travelling in Club World uh, can savour a unique glass of British bubbles during their flight with the Balfour Rosé de Noir made only from red grapes. Uh, this lighter rosé English sparkling wine is an exclusive blend for British Airways, making it the perfect tipple 
ahead of summer travels. The airline is also introducing a rosé blend for the first time in its first cabin. Whispering Angel's big brother, Rock Angel, is making an appearance on board with more structure and oaky flavours than its younger sibling. Uh, customers travelling on short-haul flights can also get a taste of Chateau Declan uh, creations uh, as uh, Whispering Angels Provence Rosé is now available to pre-purchase through the airline's newly branded High Life Cafe, uh, giving customers the option to taste a hint of summer whether they are travelling to Europe or further afield. Customers can also enjoy a range of summer-inspired menus across its cabins, available until September. Travellers in first class can choose from lighter dishes, including a classic prawn cocktail, a grig fillet of Atlantic halibut, and British summer staple, berry bread, and butter pudding. Oh. Uh, meanwhile, those travelling in World Traveller Plus can delve into a fresh Cal Calamarata pasta followed by a raspberry panna cotta. I want you to get this on Ryanair. Probably not. <laughs> um, British Airways customer, uh, Chief Customer Officer Callum Laming said, we know that so many of our customers have been looking forward to their summer holidays, so we've added these extra touches in time for summer to make their trips even more special. Well, let's hope we don't get any of the proposed strikes at uh, Gatwick indeed talking about today um, but um, well, that sounds all very delicious isn't it mm. I might have to um... I mean it's a step up from the panini certainly isn't it well yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you say I, I like their ice creams you say mm. Nev being being the most you know well versed traveller out of the team pretty much as such here in the UK that the food offerings on board airlines now especially with BA have Im improved immensely over the last few years yeah i mean you, you're going to get complaints um and but i i think the quality of airline food on most airlines is not bad at all that the catering mm. facilities that they use at the base airports um that they churn out some pretty nice stuff so it's not so everybody's liking all of the time and you do get you know the old complaint time to time but uh, i must say I'm, I'm pretty impressed with most of it even, even i'm impressed by ryanair's cheese and ham panini because it is really <laughs> nice it is really yeah. nice I, I mean i would love to be able to try try the menu that you just re re reeled off now nothing else because i am partial to a nice rosé but uh, yeah nice. it's uh, mark priestley saying that looks amazing if it's good enough for nev then it's definitely good enough for me well there you go nev there's I, there's praise indeed <laughs> i love neil Braden's comment earlier on where he says life was much easier when airlines just served peanuts surely that was surely no. Do you do you remember years ago, and most of the airlines used to do. I know Air Two Thousand did, and Britannia used to as well. You used to get those little tiny bags of pe roasted peanuts that you know, but there and mm. there was never enough. You always wanted like another three or four bags, but there was never quite enough in a bag. But um, I don't think I don't as many airlines that actually serve bags of peanuts up um, on board. Well, no, because it because of the allergy situation, isn't it? That's yeah. why. But uh, we're going to move away from uh, food now. We've we've done Boo. the food part of the show. I'm feeling hungry now. I've, do you know what? When you said about that bread and butter pudding, Matt. Oh, no, no, thanks. No, you're all right, thanks. I oh, can't I bear. It. I can't bear bread and butter pudding. Very bread and butter pudding. Oh, no, 
No. Anyway, no. rhubarb we... crum crumble. That's the that's oh, that's, that's nice. the way forward. Yes. And custard. Yeah. Okay. Moving yeah. on. Moving on. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, NewYorkPost.com. Uh, man wanted uh, on drug charges leaps from plane onto tarmac in Minnesota. So a man wanted on drug charges leapt off a Sun Country flight in an attempt to escape officers waiting for him at the Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport, police said. Uh, Jeremiah Raymond Hoskins, 44, of New Brighton, was aboard Flight 346 arriving from Orlando on Sunday night when he found that officers were waiting to arrest him. In a uh, last-ditch effort to flee, Hoskins decided to pop open the emergency exit as other passengers were getting off the flight at around 11.15pm. He then jumped onto the tarmac below, evading officers at the Metropolitan Airport's commission, uh, also said in a statement. The man was spotted running across the tarmac and towards Terminal 2 at the airport. Hoskins uh, was arrested just half an hour later when the airport employees found him hiding inside a food service truck. Oh, blimey, we got back to food again. Me! Uh, police said. Airport police noted that they had been alerted that Hoskins was arriving uh, uh, in Minneapolis on Sunday with the suspect wanted for drug charges out of Wright County in Minnesota. Hoskins was previously arrested on a third-degree controlled substance charge back in September the 19th, 2002, according to the Wright County Sheriff's Department. Well, I suppose it's one way of trying to get away with um, with something, but although I, I don't think I'd be wanting to jump out of um, even a Seb three seven at that because it is, you know, it is a few feet from the uh, from the wing to the to the ground. Oh yeah. It? So yeah, it's not, it wouldn't be my first choice of uh, <laughs> getting off an aircraft, oh, not through an emergency exit door. But um, yes, only in America. Eh? Anyway, moving swiftly on, <sighs> moving on to another story of crime and uh, excitement. Nev. What's going on in Nigeria? We've got a selection, <laughs> selection of stuff this evening, haven't we? Um, on the BBC News website, uh, it says thieves have stolen the lighting system. What? From, for one of the runways at Nigeria's busiest airport just what? months after it was installed. Uh, an airport authority spokesman has confirmed to the BBC. Um, an investigation has now been launched to arrest the criminals and recover what's missing. Uh, Yakubu Futua. Fun tour added. Uh, it's not clear when the system was taken from the Mutala Muhammad International Airport in Lagos, but local media reported that airport workers were involved in the theft. The ground lights were installed in November, ending years of after-dusk restrictions on landing on that wing of the airport. The domestic carriers were forced to divert to the international section and taxi about four kilometres oh, wow. back to the right terminal, which caused flight disruptions. Uh, Mr. Fantua told the BBC that the uh, Federal Airports Authority of Nigeria will block all loopholes to prevent future occurrence. Uh, the criminals took advantage of the fact that the runway had been closed for months for maintenance to take the lighting system, an unnamed source told uh, Nigeria's Punch newspaper. Uh, the source blamed a syndicate of workers at the airport, along with accomplices from outside, 
for a series of thefts. I don't think it was. Uh, I don't think it was these people at all. I think Carlos was adding to his collection of of aircraft memorabilia. That's what I think it was. I think he's a. Well, I think have you, all, they, all they've got the to do is, is find out the addresses all. of these people and drive around to their house and see if they've got the runway light at, uh, outside their front door or something. You know. Yeah. Uh, my, I, I, I would recommend not coming to Castle Ca- Castle Stebbings because I think there might be one or two in his cupboard there. I mean, <laughs> aircraft pieces. I mean, obviously, you guys know I've got various pieces of aircraft around. No, here. do you? But who the hell wants to steal pieces of an airport? I mean, an airport light would be quite cool. Mm. Yeah, but it runs on. I mean, that would probably be three yeah, phase? Yeah, but the lights. No, not the lighting. It wouldn't no, be on three. three no. no, 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 no. No, no, it might, but, the, the the distribution board might be bed, fed with three phase, but it'll still be a, you know, a single cable or whatever that goes bizarre. out to it. Um, I, I, I assume they're probably just two forty. I mean, or what one. are they going to use it for? Oh, oh, what what's that, darling? You, you'd like some new patio lighting? Oh, I know where we can get some patio lighting, dear. There's a runway just over there. We'll go and have some of those. Carlos, above my door, I've got a, a, <laughs> an exit sign from a seven four seven. What you I mean, had? there's a yeah. there's a there's many an argument that there's absolutely no need for me to have one of those there, let alone you know creating a USB device so that I could power it up. <laughs> that guest says in the chat room that. And uh, would look nice in the driveway. Yeah, I suppose it mm, would. Yeah, yeah. Would make some interesting. Yeah. Imagine that actually, Nev, outside um, Chateau Nev, <laughs> the way your driveway is there to have those each side of your driveway. I'd pay, Nev, pay no attention to him. He's just deflecting the focus <laughs> from him having stolen them. That's what's happening. Yeah, I don't want to be implicated in any of <laughs> no, this. No, absolutely not. Indeed. Anyway, next week's prize um, will yeah. be. Uh, anyway, moving swiftly on. Okay. Okay, Matt, yeah. you've got the next. Oh, this is another story that broke this week. And the, the video, I know Matt's got the video to this, is, is just bizarre. Okay, all right then. I don't, Carlos has forgotten the memo where if it's videos or photographs, it's challenging Sorry, for me to dear. be able to, to play them. But anyway, there we go. It's just like, because I'm a bloke, you see, I can't do two things at once. Oh, this, this is the issue. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, uh, aerotime.aero is the website, and the headline is Pilot of Vintage Antonov AN2 Crashes into Trees Trying to Avoid Traffic. The pilot of a 40-year-old Russian-made Antonov AN2 claims he crashed into trees shortly after taking off to avoid road traffic. The privately owned Antonov aircraft took off from a field uh, at at Vanguarda in Sweden on the 8th of July 2023 with four passengers on board but quickly ran into trouble as the plane swerved to the left once in flight. Footage of the incident showed the vintage plane crashing into the top of a forest thicket as the pilot tried to climb high enough to avoid the trees. The pilot told STV News in Sweden that he did not know what caused the crash and that before takeoff everything looked normal. We tested the engine and everything and then uh, it wouldn't start, the uh, pilot said. According to the pilot, who who has flown the type of aircraft for more than 30 years, uh, it is not possible to fly the plane outwards, uh, out, out towards a nearby road 
as there was traffic there. None of the five people who travelled on the plane required hospital treatment and the incident is being investigated by the Sweden's aviation authorities. Now we will pick off the wings and take it home this week, the pilot added. The aircraft registered Sierra Echo Kilo Charlie Echo was first flown back in 1981. So we'll take a quick look then at this video that this Carlos has, has shared with us. Uh, oh, it's a, I, 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 it's it's a, a, a more normal looking sort of a big Cessna. It's a very big. It's a very big Cessna. Yeah, I know, but I, I had visions of like a jumbo jet, or you know, because I, I associate the Antonov with that massive thing, you know. Oh, but, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Anyway, here we go. Here's the video. Have you seen this, Ned? Yeah, I did. Yes. Yeah. So it's a grass strip then that it's taking off from. Honestly, you can tell by at least now that things aren't going very well. Oh, I mean, hello. That ain't right, is it? Hmm. Yes. Definitely subpar. Um, it just didn't seem to lift, it, did it? <laughs> it just didn't. I, I, you could get out and walk faster than that aircraft was was going along there. It, it just what didn't seem to be hmm. moving very swiftly. Yeah, it just as I say, it just didn't seem to lift, did it? But then, yeah, so perhaps it's just because there wasn't enough speed. But also, I mean, is that is it usual to take off a you know with a large aircraft like that to take off on a grass runway? Well, grass, yeah, they are designed. They they can use grass strips. The Antonov, uh, that particular, the the AN two was designed to fly out of unprepared, you hmm. know, rubbishy strips. But there there didn't seem to be much of a length to the strip that he was using mm. there and to have high trees like that at the end is also not a, a fantastic not, yeah, thing not ideal flying. but also i struggle to see whether the guy got any flaps um down for that you know for that takeoff because to me it looked like the aircraft didn't have any flaps selected at all but i might be wrong but you'll see you, you can see on the video but it's um oh Arnie, Arnie's saying that they forgot to mow the grass. Yeah, yeah. I can say the wheel. It's, I mean, the wheels are pretty. There's, there's lots of things wrong with this video. I'm just running it again for those of those of you who are yeah, watching. Yeah, if you it. look, if you look at the, I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing on the A and two, the flaps are on the top. If you look, to me, there doesn't. There may be one stage of flap selected, if anything. Just doesn't. Hmm. I mean, thankfully, it was a is a relatively low speed impact, and and obviously mm. the, the the pilot walked away from this. But yeah, I mean, I don't think it'll buff out. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Anyway. Anyway, moving uh, moving on to the next story. If anyone's flown an A and two, let us know. <laughs> right. uh, Nev, okay. uh, you've got this uh, next one all about uh, Widrow. Yes, on simpleflying.com, a uh, Norwegian carrier um, revealed that it will be acquiring Widero, a regional airline based in Norway. According to the carrier, the airline will continue to exist as separate carriers. However, passengers will benefit from a more comprehensive network of routes, with the two reportedly having minimal route overlap. 
Uh, the last few years have been incredibly varied for Norwegian. The carrier went from operating connecting flights from the northern and southmost and southernmost commercial airports with a transatlantic 787 hop to filling to sorry to, to filing for bankruptcy protection at the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. With the airline now focused on short-haul, low-cost operations, it's mounted an impressive return from the dead. Uh, well, earlier this week, Norwegian announced a fairly significant development. Um, they're going to be purchasing Widero, and the regional carrier accounts for around 20% of the Norwegian domestic market and is almost 90 years old. Um, they will acquire Widero for a cash consideration of 1.125 billion Norwegian kroner, which is 105 uh, million dollars. Uh, the price could be adjusted depending on Widerow's profitability for the remainder of the year. But the deal is expected to close by the end of this year. However, it is subject to the usual caveats of such a deal, such as regulatory approval from the Norwegian competition authorities. Uh, the CEO of Widero, Stein Nielsen, had uh, some interesting comments about the deal, pointing out that Norway's air travel tax is particularly high, uh, making uh, perseverance for a small regional aircraft dif airline difficult. Uh, it seems not too much will change for passengers, though, and employees and the airlines just uh, just yet. Uh, the Norwegian was clear that Widero would continue to operate as its own company, adding that employees will remain in their existing companies until uh, under existing collective agreements. Widero will uphold its existing agreements with other airlines. Uh, just to compare the fleets, according to CH Aviation, Norwegian currently has 89 uh, Boeing 737 split across two AOCs. Uh, its Swedish AOC has 13 Boeing 737 MAX 8s and 28 737 800s. Six of the MAXs are wet leased from the Norwegian AOC. In addition to the six MAXs mentioned, uh, the primary uh, Norwegian AOC has 40 more Boeing 737-800s. Uh, the fleet of Widero, however, is much more different. According to CH Aviation, it consists of 45-8s of different variations, six of which are listed as inactive. Uh, the airline operates uh, three Embraer E190-E2 aircraft and two uh, ATR-72-500s are also being leased from Nordic regional airlines. No, uh, that's quite interesting because actually Norway being the huge country that it is uh, does rely heavily on regional operations mm -hmm. as yeah, well uh, as well as uh, connecting flights to other parts of Scandinavia so that, that's uh, not a bad thing I, I would say mm. you know I had to look these guys up Nev I'd, I'd heard of Widero but didn't really know yeah, much I've about them a few times uh, back in the day yep. yeah founded back in 1934 mm. never yeah didn't realise that at all but yeah, apparently they're um, one of the largest regional airlines in the Nordic countries. I'd, yes, they are. But uh, yeah, not not flown them, but um, yeah, interesting. Hmm. Moving on, and uh, well, back to space for this one. This is kind of an interesting story. <laughs> uh, Gizmodo.com, NASA's Space Shuttle Endeavour will stand tall once more. The Space Shuttle is going to look uh, look launch ready again. Uh, once again, although this time the retired spacecraft won't be firing any engines. 
The California Science Center is ready to kick off a six-month-long process to stack the components of the space shuttle into a vertical launch position such that it can go on display at the future Samuel Ocean Air and Space Center, uh, which is currently under construction and the Science Center announced on Thursday. The museum go for stack process is set to begin on July the 20th which marks a space exploration day. The display will include the Endeavour Orbiter which embarked on its first mission with the Space Shuttle program back in 1992. The rocket solid boosters and external tank once fully stacked the 20-storey tall vertical display will be the only ready-for-launch space shuttle system in the world in terms of its staging and appearance. Endeavour will be the star attraction at the Samuel Ocean Air and Space Centre and a launch pad for creativity and innovation that will inspire future generations of scientists, engineers and explorers, Jeff Rudolph, President and CEO of the California Science Center said in a statement. Getting the space shuttle uh, pieces stacked on top of one another is not going to be an easy feat and it's going to be the first time it's ever been done outside of NASA's facility according to the California Space Center. The first part of the process involves installing the rocket's aft skirts, a pair of skirt shaped bottom segments that form the base of the solid rocket boosters. The solid rocket motors will be stacked on top of the aft skirts to form the solid rocket boosters and the shuttle's external tank, ET-94, will then be lifted into place, followed by the Endeavour Orbiter, which will be lifted by a large crane and connected to the rest of the rocket stack. When it's all done, the full stack of the Space Shuttle launch system will stand 200 feet, or 61 metres tall, becoming the main attraction ar around uh, the Air and Space Centre building where it's going to be constructed. Endeavour has been on display at the California Science Centre for the past 11 years, albeit laying horizontally rather than standing straight, as thought it will be ready to soar through the skies once more. NASA Space Shuttle Endeavour landed for the final time uh, back in June uh, in 2011 at the Kennedy Space Center in Florida following a 16-day mission to the ISS. Following that landing, the only one other shuttle mission took place, and that was Atlantis, uh, the STS-135 mission, marking the end of NASA's 30-year-long shuttle era, which began back in 1981. Now, I haven't... Uh, seen these i'd love to that's one of the places i'd love to go never you had a chance to go and see um see one of the shuttles or uh no i haven't no uh but uh yeah it sounds interesting interesting doesn't it so it sounds like a great uh display area there it's so, one of those things that used to be to used to make tv you know, all the tv shows and the shows would always show these shuttles mm. you know and it's uh you, we miss it i think we do miss it seeing these on tv Mm. But um, you love your space, don't you, Matt? I do, I do, I do. Uh, one of my favourite exhibits, actually, at the Science Museum in London, is where they've got the Apollo. Um, I can't remember which missions it was, but they've got that. They've got a. They've got one of the actual Apollo craft there, haven't they? Um, but which is is just amazing. It's it's kind of frightening how simple they look. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's. Uh, and at one time they were still being they were still um operating on the DX266 chipset weren't they if I'm if I remember correctly and cuz uh, I think I said before I'd ended up giving away I I had a box of 10 of them um that ended up going <laughs> to the states um because uh, they were still you know the, because it was tried and tested basically um you know they were everything was you know like every time they added new functions it was coded so it would work on that older chipset but um 
Yeah, anyway, there we go. <laughs> Old tech, but it works. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I dare say they've moved on 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 now, but I, I suppose it's one of those, isn't it? It's just uh, sort of trying to sort out the, the, the bits and pieces. Now, Nev, you have got an update for the last uh, part of the commercial news this week. It's an update on misbehaviour. Well, it seems to be the theme, doesn't it, this week? <laughs> We've got a couple of uh, items here just to uh, round off. Uh, one of them on WSVN.com. Uh, where it says three TSA agents arrested accused of stealing cash from travellers at Miami Airport uh, and they've been arrested on fraud charges. According to the investigators, um, they worked together to steal cash from passengers' purses and bags whilst they were being screened at the airport on June the 29th. The agents were removed after a TSA employee uh, followed up on a complaint, watched surveillance video and shared findings with the police who took immediate uh, immediate action and placed them under arrest on Thursday. In a statement, a TSA spokesman wrote, uh, the Transport Security Administration holds its transportation security officers to the highest professional and ethical standards and has no tolerance for misconduct in the workplace. We actively and aggressively investigated these uh, allegations of misconduct and presented them, presented our findings to the police and are work, working closely with them. Any employee who fails to meet our fundamental ethical standards is held accountable. Quite right so. Uh, but um, another update um, <laughs> comes from uh, qcnews.com. Um, worried that they were going to fail, it says. Passengers climb up a conveyor belt to retrieve stuck luggage. Oh. Uh, Delta Airlines passengers who landed in Charlotte on Sunday evening decided that they wouldn't wait for help to come and instead stepped into action to retrieve and pass out luggage trapped in a stuck conveyor belt. Oh. The situation described by passengers as being out of a movie happened in a baggage claim A at Charlotte Douglas International Airport around 8pm uh, on Sunday of last week. Uh, the area is still under construction with large portions of the ceiling which includes around the luggage chute which is still, uh, still exposed. Uh, passenger Maggie Holmes told Queen City News that when she arrived at baggage claim the lower belt was operational but the main chute had stopped. Just a couple of hundred people standing there waiting for their bags. Very much construction going on, she said. Uh, we're all just waiting there and everything was going fine and then everything's flowing. Then maybe five to ten minutes later, everything stops and an alarm is sounding. Uh, she and the other passengers said that there were multiple attempts to try and get help from Delta employees in the baggage claim area, but they were unable to find anyone. After several minutes, four men climbed up the baggage belt and formed their own delivery line. Uh, sending baggage down to passengers. Uh, one cell phone video taken by another passenger showed the work the men did and at moments people began to clap and cheer. Um, <laughs> other social media videos have surfaced which shows the moment airport employees and security arrived and began to demand the men come off the equipment. Uh, one, showed, uh, one view showed a passenger and employee in an argument over the situation whilst other passengers yelled that no one came to help in the first place. Uh, Delta representatives in the baggage claim area have declined to comment on the situation and Charlotte Douglas International representatives have also not responded to media inquiries. Hmm. Well, I, I, you know, I'm 50-50 on this one. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, I I think if nothing's happening and there's no one around, 
and the thing is clearly stalled and stuck, then it's not a bad shout. However, of course, were it to start moving again, then people could get injured and... Mm. You know, my my issue here, on. though, is you say the story clearly states that the the alarm was sounding. What bothers me is even though there were people there, like involved in the construction, I guess the people doing the construction, it's not their job, but they must have been able to radio someone who might have been. Do, do you know what I mean? It's like there was an alarm sounding and nobody did anything about it. That's the bit that that I, I'm most uncomfortable with. So. Um, you know, as you say, and I think, you know, to be fair, the passengers who, who were climbing up and getting it, we, I think they had good intentions, yes. you know, they were just trying yeah. to sort of get the, you know, there's loads of people waiting for their luggage, nothing seems to be happening, it's like, well, I'm quite agile, let's get going, mm. you know, I mean, I, I, I do understand, as you say, obviously, there is a potential health and safety risk there, is because, as you say, if it did suddenly all fire up into life again, then people could get hurt and, and all that kind of thing, yeah. but... Um, yeah, I think I think I'm you know I'm, I think I'm with you net on this one, Nev. It's just like I can see the reasons mm. why um, they were being shouted at when security finally arrived, but also it does sound like it took a long time for security to arrive there. So, I mean, it, you know, by the time they arrived, it was too late. <laughs> yes, good you know. point. Oh, we've got some uh, breaking news, uh, Justin, actually oh. from our colleague. Uh, uh, Nick Codling, who says uh, <laughs> aircraft in near miss over Bungie following air crew confusion <laughs> over runway lights in Avgeek's garden. True, true, indeed, absolutely. Always a struggle, mm. always a risk, certainly, absolutely. You know, when yeah. I get off the show, so I'm going to go and see if I can buy an, air, an airport. I thought you'd been quiet for a few minutes. Yeah, yeah. I, th I, I thought you were already. I thought it was already happening. I'm going to. I'm going to be honest. With you. I'm going to be on eBay. <laughs> 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 yeah, <laughs> he wants a rope light of them now, you see, that's what it is. Oh, dear, never mind. Anyway, before I do go and make some <laughs> interesting purchases on a certain website, um, last weekend I was lucky enough to uh, head off to the City of Norwich Aviation Museum for their Wings and Wheels Day. And uh, I had a brilliant day there. The weather was fantastic. It was, it was the kind of weather that Nev loves, where it was... Blooming hot. Oh dear. With lots of sun. <laughs> um, and uh, I got the chance to talk to quite a few people there. And uh, big thanks to Carl Lake as well for sorting out all the interviews for me as well. Mm. He, he was very good. He was, he was <laughs> arranging things for me. He was good doing man. a great job there. But I have to say, it was a brilliant, brilliant day. It was on the Saturday and the Sunday. And uh, I got the chance to, to go on some pretty cool aircraft there because they've got a fantastic mm. display line up at the city so th this is the museum that i mean i know it's been slightly reseated isn't it some some of it had already been moved hadn't it when we when, yeah. when we went before but this was the site of our, our 100th episode wasn't it yes it was yeah we we broadcast our 100th show from their avril vulcan mm. on, the, in the, on the flight deck of that mm. but uh, they've also got a pretty much 90 i would have to say 95 percent complete RAF Nimrod, uh, oh, wow. on site, okay. which you can go on board. And it is very, very interesting indeed to go on board that aircraft. But we've got some interviews to play from that trip there that I did. We're going to uh, pop a few in this week, and there'll be some more next week, hopefully. And uh, we're going to take this look at this first one. I uh, had a chat uh, with uh, Tom, who's the uh, chairman of the City of Norwich Aviation Museum. And I will just say, before Matt hits that button, we were in a hangar that had a kind of a fabric material covering it, and it was very, very hot. 
So I'm here with Tom, and uh, we are in a quite a warm hangar here uh, next to a few uh, very iconic aircraft. Tom, welcome onto the show. It's good to see you. And uh, Tom, what's your position here? Uh, so I'm the chairman of the trustees at the museum. I've um, only done that now for about 18 months, so fairly new to the role, but I'm, I'm loving it, if I can say that. <laughs> so... Tom, how did you get into this? I mean, is there an aviation um, background? Um, so I myself, I'm an aircraft mechanic for KLM, um, but I started with museums when I was 16, my local aircraft museum, which was uh, the Northeast Aircraft Museum at the time, and then I sort of just continued my obsession, I suppose, if you like, with all the aircraft since then, and yeah, just continued it. <laughs> so what's your role here involved, and what, what do you yeah, the, the position you have do what what the bits and pieces you do financing and exhibitions and and stuff no so the the main thing of the chair is to ensure sort of compliance health and safety all, all the boring stuff if you like but the stuff which is needed to be done for the safety of our volunteers the people visiting um also though the more fun side of stuff is i get to go to different events and advertise the museum and obviously promote the squadron associations as well which is is something we really benefit from here up in norwich because there's there's a lot of squadrons that were based all over east Anglia, so. so we're in this hangar which as I said is quite warm that not is. gonna lie but uh, what, what have we got in here um, so we've got a couple of Jags we've got a Gulf War veteran which is 375 over there um, we've got an F4 Phantom which is in the lovely color scheme you can see behind us and then we've got a T2 Jaguar as well which again these types were based at Coltishall not so much the Phantom of course but that is still relevant to the area with Watersham and 74 Squadron and outside, we've obviously got the Vulcan, which is where we had our 100th live show quite a few years back now, when it was a lot colder, I'm not going to lie, than it is today. But, but you've, you've got some great aircraft on display here, haven't you, outside? What, uh, what are some of the big attractions here at Norwich? Um, I'd, the, the three big aircraft that we have really that are the main attractions of the Vulcan, Nimrod and RJ um, but we do also have two two airliners which are, are quite unique. We have the only F-27 on display in the UK um, which is an ex-Air UK aircraft and we also have a Herald which there's not a lot of them around now. Um, there's a couple. We think ours is, well that is the longest one in a museum anywhere um, and that again is an ex-Air UK aircraft and that's very relevant to the area as well having Norwich Airport with Air, Air UK and Air Anglia that had them beforehand. So. So you've got, obviously, this is kind of the, the new space for you because you moved not so long back. You've got you've still got some space still. I see a few little bits where you could uh, possibly pop some aircraft. Have you got any aircraft you'd love to get your hands on? Um, yeah, we have a couple of aircraft that we're, we're looking into at the moment. Obviously, there's a couple of relevant types to the area which we don't have at the moment, um, but that's going to be a lot of hard work to get to get some of those types, especially the Tornado, which I'm sure all of our visitors know we're, we're desperately after. Um, but they're not easy to get a hold of, I have to admit now. When it, when it goes to getting stuff like this, how easy is it to, to find? I mean, do you, do you go to the Royal Air Force? Is that kind of a, uh, is there like some big scrapyard you can go to and pick up these aircraft? Or do you have to beg? Um, a bit of everything, really. Um, sometimes we have someone email or, or turn up and say, I've got an aircraft we want to donate to you or put on loan. And although we're trying to stay away from loan items, you know, if someone had something very rare, we'd, we'd take it on board. Um, the Air Force, RAF Heritage, have been really, really helpful to us. They've been really kind in the generous donation of a couple of engines and, and other support we're receiving from them. Obviously, we'll talk to them in the future about acquiring new airframes. Um, the City Jet. RJ85, which we got on site, we were donated that back in 2020. 
that was literally you can have this basically um, we, either that we're going to scrap it and obviously we jumped at the chance being an ex-Air UK aircraft as well the R, not that particular one but the RJs in particular we thought yeah we've got to have that in our collection having a lot of ex-Air UK aircraft already so yeah it's a bit of everything to be honest yeah I went on board the RJ earlier on today and I have to say um, we were up in Scotland not so long back uh, at the museum up there, the Museum of Flight, and they've got a Concorde there. Yeah. And it is as if BA literally flew it in there, parked it up, and it's pristine. And that RJ you've got here, I have to say, is immaculate. Well, we, st we still, with the RJ, we still keep the lot live on it, so hydraulics and electrics. Um, we did have the APU running, but we haven't ran that for a while, so obviously, safety-wise, we, we can't run that now. We want to just make sure all the other services and that are kept live on it. Um, but, yeah, CityJet were really kind. Um, KLM UK Engineering also gave us a lot of assistance getting that over here as well, and Norwich Airport, which we're really grateful for all that support. Um, the crane and plant company we used again they were really helpful so we did have a lot of goodwill on that and norfolk county council as well for letting us close the ndr overnight i have to admit that was that was something which i'll never forget is having an rj parked in the middle of a road overnight that was brilliant <laughs> yeah because you are i mean you could probably might be out here on the there we go on the uh, microphone ed you you are literally right next to one of the busiest roads outside norwich yeah we are on the main ring road which in some ways it's been detrimental because um, of the salt and everything over the winter on the aircraft isn't good um, but on the other hand we get good publicity and a lot of visitors passed it um, we've had people that have lived in Norwich or Norfolk all their lives and they've said because of that road they've, they've noticed we're here and they've come up so yeah it's, it's sort of it's, it's a good idea really I think for us it's a good, good thing in the end how easy is it, Tom, to get volunteers? Because everyone here is a volunteer who, who looks after the obviously yourself volunteering here and, and doing the, the role you do. How easy is it to get volunteers? It's, I'll be honest, it's not easy. Um, we've got a good set of volunteers. I'd say we've got uh, on strength about 80 volunteers, but we've actually got about 20 or 30 that come up regularly, regular and, and get hands-on. Um, but you know we appreciate all of our volunteers even the ones that can't come up here and get hands-on and the ones that actually do more research and sort of home-based roles and that you know there are the crux of the museum they're what keep us running but it is difficult trying to get younger people especially involved and more able people to come and help because obviously they're busy they've got their lives outside of work and players as well so yeah it's difficult but if you want to help come come along and join because we could really do with some more help to be honest as we're still expanding yeah we're gonna put the links to the uh, museum in the show notes for this uh, episode obviously so if you are local to uh, to here to Norwich and uh, you want to volunteer and help uh, Tom and everyone here you know it's 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 well worth I think you know I, I'm seriously considering giving up one of my jobs so I could come and volunteer we'll hold you to that <laughs> I love that, and they will hold you to that as well. Uh, I'm just, I'm just saying there, Carlos. That they will absolutely hold you to that. It's on tape and everything. <laughs> I know, I know, and um, yeah, Tom, Tom's doing a great job there, mm. and uh, they've got lots and lots of projects on the go at the museum, mm. which will be opening hopefully sometime this year to the public as well. They've got so many different things there, they're planning on doing, and I have to say how much they charge to get into that museum it is really really well worth it if you are in yeah. in around norwich the city of norwich here in east anglia if you get the chance to go to the museum it is literally literally next door to norwich international airport um so it's uh, well, that norwich london did you say norwich london, london, london norwich yeah okay london norwich airport yeah. exactly <laughs> So, moving on with the show, we have got uh, some military news coming up next. But first, 
I know he's not here this week, but it's uh, he did he say, did check in, didn't he? He, checked he did in. check in. It's safe yeah. to say Armando has uh, put together some military stories for us this week, but he also has sent us in a, a little video. Hey everybody, Armando checking in here. Uh, any one of you that knows the tail numbers that I usually fly, that's the the two hawkers, the Pilatus, and this thing behind me, the Piper Cub. Uh, it's actually a super cruiser. We're starting to correct people on that. Um, knows that I've been incredibly busy basically since school let out at the beginning of June. Uh, we've had one of our airplanes that's been down for maintenance for almost six weeks for a major inspection. So we've basically got one crew, one airplane covering both of our, our clients' locations, which has resulted in just a little bit more flying than I usually do. Therefore, I'm on call a lot. I've been traveling quite a bit. And on top of all that, I've got a family. So Maddie's uh, out of school for the summer, and we've been doing nothing but awesome activities. Actually, she's been flying with me in the in the supercruiser uh, here and there, and to fly-ins on Fridays and Saturday mornings, Sunday mornings, breakfasts. Um, so my apologies for not being on the show live, but as much as I can, I will continue to check in and send in videos with, if nothing else, military stories, but the occasional commercial stories. I hope everybody's having a great summer. Miss the chat room, miss the hosts. We'll check in with you guys as the summer goes along. Oh, that was good of him, wasn't it? Lovely to hear from Armando, obviously. As you, you were saying there, it was nice to not see a sort of like a, you know, a slick trail down the uh, outside of the uh, <laughs> outside of the beautiful aircraft that is yeah, Armando's you, little cub. You, I know, I know. It just it brought, seeing the cub behind Armando there brought back visions of that um, slight little um, oil leak that we had when I was out there. Yeah, was, I bet. Yeah. Very, very exciting. Yeah. But uh, can we just make a, a point, actually, of saying a big thanks to Dirk and also to Nick, who have uh, messaged the uh, the PTUK WhatsApp number. And uh, Nick and Dirk have both found me links to various aircraft light or airfield lighting that I can purchase online. So um, thanks to you guys for that. I shall uh, have a look at those later. And uh, maybe when Gemma comes home from Cambridge on Sunday she'll be able to find her way into the back garden. <laughs> there we go. Right, yo. Look at yes. Nev. <laughs> I just wonder if you're going to pick up a set of pappies from somewhere. Oh, my word. <laughs> go the whole hog, yeah. Kind of yeah. Sometimes she needs those when she's reversing the car. And right. Anyway, moving oh, on wow. to the military segment of the show. Danger, Will week. Robinson, danger. <laughs> moving on to the military segment of the show this week. Matt, if you're ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you're going to need some kind of military <laughs> protection, I think, now. It? Here we go. Well, it's it's it. one, three, five, 50, Angel 16. So, kicking off the first story in the military segment this week from Flight Global, this one. And we talk on the show about uh, non-stop flights with commercial airliners. But the Royal Air Force hails a 20-hour non-stop deployment as the A400M Atlas visits Guam. So the UK Air Force has performed the longest non-stop flight of an Airbus Defence and Space A400M, with one of its tactical transports having completed more than a 20-hour sortie. 
conducted from RF Bryce Norton in Oxfordshire on the 3rd and 4th of July in support of the US-led Exercise Mobility Guardian. The flight concluded with a touchdown at the US's Air Force's Anderson Air Force Base on Guam. The Atlas underwent a total of three in-flight refuelings, the first over the Atlantic supported by UK-based Airbus A330 Voyager tanker, then over Alaska, and then the Pacific Ocean behind an example operating from Ellison Air Force Base in Alaska. Exercise Mobility Guardian is an outstanding training opportunity, says Air Commodore Anthony Lyle, the RAF's Air Mobility Force Commander. The non-stop flight from RAF Bryce Norton to Guam is a great example of our ability to project air power, allowing us to get aircraft and crews and vital equipment to the other side of the world in a timely manner and for them to be able to operate immediately. The Mobility Guardian exercise also involves assets deployed by Australia, Canada, France, Japan and also New Zealand. The object of the exercise is for the countries involved to develop their inoperability skills and understanding, the RAF says. Uh, the RAF uh, object of the exercise for the countries involved uh, uh, 22 A400Ms with the Atlas now representing the service's lone tactical transport capability. The last Lockheed Martin C-130J left its operational use uh, in late June, drawing to a close 57 years of the Hercules operations by the UK. So 20 hours, that's not bad for, uh, mind you, with the refuelling, uh, mid-air mid refuelling, I suppose that uh, helps quite a bit. But uh, is can you imagine a commercial airliner refueling midair on a 20-hour flight? That would be interesting. We'd see a 777 with a refueling boom. I, I, I don't think that would be allowed somehow. I, no, I don't either, Matt. <laughs> but, uh, no. And actually, while we're on the subject of military, hello to Jonathan Warner, who's uh, joined us in the chat room. He's um, joining us from over at uh, RIA at mm. the Royal International Air Tattoo, where he's poised with uh, camera and about 600 million memory cards ready for the pictures that he's going to take this weekend so um, and what have i got behind me because he took this today i think he was saying, yes you have got an apache i think that is oh, an is apache it? ah64 oh, might be. behind yeah, you yeah. Might be. yeah behind there and uh, yeah thanks for that uh mr warner great to uh, indeed to indeed there. yes he did he did say that it had been uh a little damp a bit say. wet, yes. Actually, uh, another friend of the show, Dan Hannington, I just seen, uh, I don't know if you've uh, seen on there, on his socials, by the way, uh, he's got a great video of um, the Prince and Princess of Wales with uh, with the children uh, stepping out of, I think it was uh, uh, an A A400 um, in at, at Riyadh there. Uh, a lovely little video, by the way. Ah, uh, oh, Dan, we yeah. haven't heard from Dan for a long while, but he yeah. does take some great photos as well. Mm, indeed. So we've got a story next from Armando, and this is uh, coming to us uh, all about the X-59. Now this story from thedrive.com, a frontal view of the new X-59 reveals the details of its pilot vision system. That's provided in lieu of any forward-facing windows for the pilot. Now Lockheed Martin's latest photos of the experimental X-59 quiet supersonic technology aircraft, or the Quest. Uh, is being built by the company's Skugworks for NASA. It provides so far the best view of its radical forward vision system as well as revealing the jet in an increasingly complete state. 
Uh, the aircraft, which provides no traditional forward visibility for its pilot, a la Charles Lindbergh in the spirit of St. Louis, is by far one of the most incredible looking and outright exotic flying machines that we've seen so far, with its side profile equally as impressive as the head-on view. Now, ultimately, it's planned that the X-59 will achieve supersonic speeds over land that create no more than a sonic thump, rather than the boom associated with previous supersonic transports, military aircraft. That's been a long uh, battle that uh, has restricted commercial uh, supersonic aircraft from being developed. Now, this revelation could convince U.S. and international regulators to change the laws governing supersonic commercial aviation, at least over land. Now, while we looked at the X-59's uh, nose in the past, I think we had some sh uh, pictures on the show, these new frontal views of the jet really bring across the fact that the pilot has no conventional means of looking at the outside world, at least in its forward sector. Um, I do believe the aircraft has a T-38 canopy, so the pilot can actually see out the sides. Now, this is all part of an overall design that's specifically intended to reduce the kinds of sonic booms that have long been an obstacle for commercial supersonic flight over land. Uh, with such a long snout or nose cone, the X-59 pilot instead relies on what they're calling the external vision system, or an XVS. It's an array of forward-facing high-resolution cameras, uh, an aperture for the 4K camera used in the XVS can actually be seen in these new photos. It's located right atop the nose, uh, broadly above where the uh, canard, if you look at the, uh, Matt's putting up the pictures, it's a it's canard configuration, right above where the canard four planes are located. Now the latest series of images shows that this NASA X-59 on the flight line at Lockheed Martin Skunk Works in Palmdale, California. On June 19th, a couple weeks ago, NASA said that the move from its construction site to the flight line is one of many milestones that are preparing the X-59 for its first and subsequent flights. Uh, next up, this team will conduct significant ground tests to ensure that the aircraft is safe to fly. Now, Lockheed Martin also posted a new photo uh, on Twitter this week explaining that the aircraft has been moved to a run stall or one of those uh, engine test bays uh, on the flight line there at Palmdale, California for further ground testing. Now this is going to include vibration testing. Now the X-59 had previously been expected to fly before the end of 2022. I think that's when we talked about it, something 2021 or something like that. We talked about this airplane, but they actually missed that timeline and it's now anticipated to uh, take its first flight sometime before the end of this year. Now, after the initial flight tests, the all-important noise testing is going to begin, culminating in a planned series of missions that will explore how communities actually respond to the aircraft sound when it passes overhead. Um, now, kind of uh, pulling from some military and some space uh, technology, uh, this XVS system, the, the, the forward view system in the X-59, it was this technology was actually tested uh, for NASA's uh, Beechcraft UC-12, it's King Air. Um, this program in involved installing hardware in the King Air's cabin that was wired to an external camera on the nose. Some live flight test uh, scenarios were flown to collect data on the pilot's ability to see and maneuver around other aircraft in the airspace. And during these tests, one pilot was seated in the cockpit of the King Air 
and could see through the window. I believe that was the left seat pilot. While the other pilot was seated in the, seated in the right seat of the aircraft um, using only the XVS available for external awareness. It is worth mentioning that another Skunk Works creation, the notional uh, Dark Star hypersonic test jet that Pete Mitchell flew in uh, Top Gun Maverick also featured a similar configuration with no standard forward visibility uh, and just a, a bunch of TV screens up there. So just another example of Hollywood turning into reality or maybe Hollywood imitating reality. Anyway, pretty cool airplane. I tell you what, it's it's worth saying, isn't it? If the, if you're flying a, a, a aircraft such as a fighter jet like like this X fifty nine, if you haven't got any forward vision, <laughs> it's safe to say that that if you wanted to look forward, a four K camera is probably going to be the best option to to be able to see what is in front of you when you're flying the aircraft. I mean, there's several things that frighten me in that statement there, uh, one, one of which is no forward vision. <laughs> no forward uh, yeah. vision, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that is particularly alarming. It, yeah. It's worth noting that uh, Matt will obviously put the, the links to the show notes uh, in the, uh, in the you know, for, or links to the stories in the show notes. Mm. Um, there's some great pictures on this, on this particular story. If you get a chance to click on the link on the show notes, it uh, takes you to the drive.com. There are some really, really, really good photos of, of the X-59 mm. on, this, on this site. So well, well worth a look uh, if you Indeed. get a chance. Uh, next up, it's another one from Armando. And uh, he's talking all about a very important show. Shush, Alexa, honestly. <laughs> He's talking about a very important show that's currently happening over in uh, RAF Fairford in Gloucestershire. Never heard of it. Uh, this next story is from Aviation Week from RAF Fairford, England. Embraer is looking to grab another slice of Europe's defense modernization plans with sales of the C-390 airlifter and the A-29 Super Tucano. Now, previously, the Brazilian uh, manufacturer's European market presence was limited to sales of the Tucano basic trainer. It's a Zingu a light transport and the AMX light combat aircraft that was developed with Italy back in the 1980s. Today, however, the company is making new inroads into the European region. So Portugal will soon take formal delivery of its, the first of its five C390 Millennium airlifters, while the Netherlands is expected to uh, sign contracts for that planned fleet of five aircraft by the end of the year. A C-390 is also being purchased by Hungary with a Budapest first aircraft in final assembly and interest growing from other European nations, including Austria, the Czech Republic, and Sweden. And most of these nations want to use the C-390 to replace the oh, elderly uh, Lockheed Martin C-130s that uh, pretty much dominate Europe's airlift scene. Now, at the same time, Embraer is also developing what it calls a NATO configuration of the A-29 Super Tucano. That is specifically aimed at European customers. The development work on this uh, is conducted in Portugal. A gentleman named uh, Bosco da Costa Jr., he's Embraer's Defense and Security uh, President and CEO. He told Aviation Week's uh, show news that at the recent Paris Air Show that they have a clear strategy to internationalize the Embraer Defense and Security and make the company even more of an international player. Now, countries have been a attracted to the C-390 because it is the only airlifter developed in the 21st century. And Mr. DaCosta added that the Brazilian Air Force is seeing 
uh, both availability and dispatch reliability figures uh, more akin to that of the commercial world, which is way more attractive than you know an elderly, as they call it, C-130. Now, Portugal has provided a useful test case for the C-390's introduction into Europe with Embraer installing what it calls a NATO operations package. That includes a Link-16 data link that allows them to communicate with other aircraft, command and control, as well as uh, ground troops, um, some military satellite navigation systems, new transponders, some encrypted radios. Uh, all this similar equipment is set to be installed in Hungary's two aircraft, which, and, and it is actually envisioned for Netherlands five aircraft also. Uh, Portugal has recently flown its first KC-390 equipped with Elbit developed uh, electronic warfare pods on the outer wing pylons and Embraer is predicting a market of around 690 new airlifters worldwide. Now, company officials are not expecting large orders for the Super Tucano in Europe but they do believe that the platform could offer uh, useful capabilities for smaller air forces uh, as the aircraft can be used both for training and light attack or pleasure if you're Armando Carrion and you just happen to get a couple million dollars. Anyway, uh, Switzerland's Pilatus currently dominates the European turboprop uh, trainer market, but types like its uh, PC-21 cannot be used in a light attack mission. That limits them to a training role. The Super Tucano, therefore, could be more attractive as a multi-role platform. Now, Portugal is likely to be an early customer for the Super Tucano, having identified a need for a close air support platform in its new military programming law approved last March. Other potential missions identified for the Super Tucano in Europe at least include joint terminal attack controller training. Uh, those are the guys on the ground that are controlling the actual dropping of the bombs and providing a lower cost platform compared to some of the fast jets and uh, heavy maintenance jets. So again, Embraer killing it. I don't know why. I love both of these aircraft. Yeah. Now, I was hoping, um, as Jonathan Warner is currently obviously at Riyadh doing his thing that he normally does there, that, that he would get some pictures. But unfortunately, Jonathan Warner has reported uh, in the chat room that apparently uh, none of the aircraft of which um, uh, Armando is <laughs> talking about oh, are no. on show this weekend at Riyadh. Oh, oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. But... Uh, as we were saying at the top of the show, I do hope the weather improves for uh, everyone who's off to react this weekend because it is looking a bit damp, uh, as to say, for this yeah. weekend. But fingers crossed it will improve between now and tomorrow. Mm. Uh, next up, another story from Armando. And uh, this one is all about the C-121 Batan. If you guys remember all the way back to the early 200 episodes when I first came on the show, Carlos asked me what aircraft I would fly if given the chance, and I said the Lockheed Constellation. This is a Connie story. Back on June 20th, a couple weeks ago, the Air Legends Foundation's Lockheed C-121 Constellation took off on its first post-restoration flight from the Chino, California airport around 7.30 p.m. Now, this Connie's crew was composed of experienced warbird pilots and restorers, Captain Stuart Dawson, first officer, and Reno Air Racer Steve Hinton, flight engineer Jeff Weitzel, safety overseer J.D. Dale, and safety observer John Hinton, to make sure that the test flight was a success. Now the constellation that came to be known as Bataan started life as a C-121 Alpha. That's a militarized version of the L-749 constellation. That was being delivered to the US Air Force in January of 1949 
for use within the newly established then Military Air Transport Service. Now, C-121As differed from their civilian counterparts because they had the addition of a reinforced floor for carrying cargo, an aft cargo door in the rear fuselage. In practice, however, the C-121As would usually fly as personnel transports and were fitted with a total of 44 seats. Now, during the Berlin aircraft, this particular aircraft, Batan, uh, serial number 48-613, was used to transport personnel and equipment from Westover Air Force Base in Massachusetts to Rhein-Main Air Force Base in, at the time, West Germany. With the conclusion of the Berlin airlift in September of 1949, 48-613 uh, or Batan continued to perform uh, routine missions until it was decided to convert the aircraft to become a VIP transport at Olmsted Air Force Base in Middletown, Pennsylvania. After that, it was flown to the Lockheed factory in Burbank, California. It was actually the first C-121 to be equipped with weather radar, and its engines were modified with turbines uh, to recover the exhaust gases for use in the crankshaft to provide more power, so turbo-powered uh, radial engines. From there, the aircraft was actually flown to Tokyo during the Korean War, where in September of 1950, it became the latest at the time transport for General Douglas MacArthur, who was the person who actually christened it the uh, Bataan. He did that after the Bataan Peninsula in, in the Philippines, uh, from which he had mounted his last defense of the archipelago against the Japanese invasion in 1942, until ordered by President Roosevelt to move to Australia. Now, in 1951, Bataan flew MacArthur and his family back to the United States, uh, marking the first time that actually General MacArthur had returned to the continental U.S. since he arrived in the Philippines as a military advisor all the way back in 1935. Now, this aircraft would serve in the Pacific Air Command until it was retired from active duty in 1965. It was then flown to the Boneyard at Davis-Monthan Air Force Base in January of 1966. Unlike many of her brethren, though, uh, Batan's time in the Boneyard was not the final per page in her story. Just six months later, that aircraft became one of three constellations employed by NASA for the Apollo space program, becoming NASA 422. Now, its VIP interior was then swapped for scientific instruments, but retaining the original Batan nose art, including a depiction of the uh, peninsula and the flags of the countries that it had visited. So, though it was typically based out of uh, Baltimore Friendship Airport, now it's called Baltimore Washington International Airport, uh, the, national, the NASA constellations were under the authority of the NASA Goddard Space Flight Center. Now, these three constellations would fly across the oceans to monitor and communicate with Apollo astronauts during their monumental missions. But, with the minimization of funding and interest uh, after the success of Apollo 11, the NASA constellations were actually decommissioned in 1970. So, 23 years later, after being on the ground on June 23, 1993, Batan roared back into the air after using nearly the entire length of the runway. Um, there were actually concerns over the flight that uh, that trees at the end of the runway were cut down and the, and the fence at the end of the runway was actually uh, removed. Now, the flight went over smoothly and ended up at the uh, Dothan, Alabama airport, where I go to regularly, where a company called Pemco Aeroplex stripped off the NASA paint scheme, painted Batan back to the way that it appeared as General MacArthur's transport. 
pending some, uh, some successful test flights, everyone hopes that Bataan will now make its post-restoration appearance at EAA AirVenture this month, 2023, in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. After that, the Lewis Air Legends hopes to fly Bataan on the air show circuit, considering that the already impressive uh, Air Legends Foundation's belt from the last airworthy uh, Douglas A-20 Havoc, uh, P-38F Lightning, uh, that's Glacier Girl. Uh, it seems that if they work this all out, Batan will be in good company on the air show circuit. And I can't wait to see it in person. No, I bet. I, I bet. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's a beautiful aircraft, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We're going to say a big thanks as well before we forget to Armando for uh, putting together all the mm. uh, military videos for this week. Thanks for putting those together. We, we all appreciate it, especially Nev. Mm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Means I haven't got to do any work. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. Uh, more because he knows his subject matter, doesn't he? He does, yeah. And, he and does. that does make all the difference. I mean, we'll read out the story, uh, and then and then we're unable to comment. And that's, that's why we have our very own Armando. We do, absolutely. We're very, very lucky. Exactly. We are very we lucky. We are very lucky, mm. yeah. So thanks again, Armando. And uh, he'll hopefully, fingers crossed, he'll be back on the show next week mm. or in, his, in his live form. Okay. Crossed. Uh, next up, it's uh, another interview uh, that I took last Saturday at the City of Norwich Aviation Museum, Wings and Wheels Day. And uh, another one of the aircraft that they've got on static display there is an Air UK Handley Page Herald, uh, which took me back a few years. Blimey, that's some serious engineering on this aircraft. But I got a chance to have a chat with Derek, who uh, used to be a chairman at the, uh, at the museum, but is now a very uh, hands-on volunteer. And uh, here we go. So you join me at the City of Norwich Aviation Museum. I'm here with Derek. Derek, welcome onto the show. Hello there. So Derek, what's, uh, what's your role here at the uh, museum? Well, I'm the vice chairman. Um, I was the chairman for many years, 28 years. Um, I was one of the founder members and I'm the longest serving member. How many, how many, dare I, how many years, uh, Derek? 43. 43 years. So, <laughs> so you've kind of been sort of caretaker looking after the museum. Is that right, sort of to say your, your role has been looking after all the uh, ins and outs? Well, not really. It's a, it's a team. It's a team uh, organisation. And uh, there have been many really great volunteers have been with us over the years building what we have here. So, some of them sadly no longer with us. Um, in the early days, we had war veterans on board and they're all gone now but uh we, we have a, a healthy youth element and uh we're trying to develop that to give the museum a future going forward so you've got a lot of static aircraft on display you've got the nimrod just just across from behind us where we are and obviously we've got this amazing aircraft here the one the f146 which is great to see here but What's this behind you, Derek? What, what are you in charge of today? Well, I've been uh, cajoled into having the Herald here open to the public, the, the famous Handley Page Herald. Um, it was a competitor of, competitor of the Fokker F-27 that, that we have here too. Um, not quite as successful. Um, it was originally designed to have four Leonides major radial engines. And then when Handley Page saw that uh, Fokker had stolen the march on them with the gas turbine dart, 
they decided to redesign it. So they had to redesign the whole wing from four radial engines to two darts. And by the time they'd done that, Fokker had won all the sales and only 50 of these were ever built. Sad, but there you go. But you, you're lucky to have one here. There's obviously not a, a great deal of these left, I suppose, Derek, in the in the world, in the museum world. No, there are only there are only three left now in full airline trim. Um, there's one at Woodley and one at Moravia up in Scotland, and this one, um, this one is widely regarded as being the most complete. And uh, we're very proud to have it here because they had a quite a history of flying out of Norwich, to, particularly to the Channel Islands. So Derek, a bit about your past, have you got an aviation background or have you just kind of, you, you, you got into the museum world here at Norwich or did, did you have any sort of flying background or anything? No, um, flying makes my arms ache. Um, <laughs> I'm a carpenter and a builder and uh, my dad used to take me to air shows from, from when I was about six years old and um, I've just had a lifelong interest. I have to ask Derek, with so many aircraft here on site at, at, at Norwich, at the museum here, have you got a personal favourite or, or can you not say, because you might upset some of the team? <laughs> no, I don't really. This is the truth. I don't really have a favourite. Um, I, I just love aeroplanes. Um, if I've got a favourite aeroplane, it's probably the Lockheed Constellation, but we don't have one of those. You don't. You'd love to have one here. Have, have you, I was going to say, have you got the space to fit one in here, Derek? Because you've got you've got a large amount of aircraft here. But I did notice you've got a little bit more space. I think down the bottom there, where the the GA aircraft are. Yeah. Well, uh, the the thing that's the top of our wish list is a tornado, and we're working very hard on that. But they're becoming more and more scarce at the moment, so fingers crossed for future. So, uh, Derek, obviously you've been doing this for a number of years. What's the sort of plan? Are you going to just continue to do this for as long as you possibly can, stand here and work at the museum? Yeah, they'll probably carry me out of here in a box. <laughs> <laughs> so, Derek, we always ask, um, when we talk to people on the show, we always ask a question that's a kind of, you know, put you on the spot million dollar question if you were given the chance today just to nip over the cross just across the NDR here at Norwich and uh, fly any aircraft you wanted to out of here be it GA commercial military retired still flying or any aircraft what would you love to go over there now and jump into and fly out of Norwich I'd love to have a play in an A-10 the old the A-10 tank buster uh, yeah fun enough I was literally just the other day at Bentwaters where the uh, where the A10 was based here in Suffolk, but uh, so the A10 that's an, that's one we haven't had before on the show. I'm not going to lie, Derek. No, it's, it's just I just I just find it a, a fascinating aeroplane. Um, I remember well when they were at Bentwaters, and I I was actually um, on my way down to Orford to collect some bricks for uh, oh sorry um, near Orford. I can't think of the name of the place, collect some bricks from a brickworks. And um, I had a bright blue van, same colour as this Herald. Uh, the coldest Rall 5010, by the way. <laughs> the, the, these two A10s saw my van travelling in open country along this long straight road, and I was attacked from all directions. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I'm, I'm glad they were, they were only practicing that didn't have any bullets. It could have been very nasty, and my van would have been a colander, I'm sure. <laughs> That'd be good to see. Oh, Do you yeah, see that? That's 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 my one abiding memory of the A10, really. Yeah, it was it was a very iconic aircraft, I think, when it was uh, when it was based here. But no, nice to see. But thanks, Derek, for coming on the uh, show to talk to us. And uh, it's been uh, it's been nice to speak to you today. And also lovely to stand here next to, to the aircraft as well. For the benefit of all the listeners and viewers who may be local in the area who haven't been here and who want to volunteer, like, you know, a lot of you do volunteer here, how can they go about coming to the museum and, and, volunte- and volunteering time? Yeah, well, volunteering um, is on a membership basis. And they have to be covered by insurance. The membership fee is £15 a year. Um, just turn up at the museum, see the, the, the lady on the desk, she'll give you a form to fill in. It's that simple. Um, as for what there is to do, you can imagine there are many, many different jobs to do running an aviation museum. There's all the aircraft to look after, the grounds, there's grass to cut, everything. You name it, we have to do it and uh, it, there's always something you can find that will suit you. People of all abilities come here, you don't have to be skilled. There's plenty to help out with, even if it's just talking to the visitors about the aeroplanes. And um, we welcome volunteers of all ages, and uh, we do work part, what we call work parties every Tuesday evening when we can get on with stuff that we can't do when the place is open to visitors. So if, if you can't get up during the week, come on a Tuesday evening and see us. There you go. We'll put the links to um, to the museum in the show notes for this for this episode of the show so people can come up here and, and see what it's about. Because we, ha- we have a lot of li- listeners who are kind of based in and around um, East Anglia so it's well worth a visit here so um, yeah here we are Wings and Wheels Day here at uh, City of Norwich Aviation Museum thanks Derek for your time today it's been nice to chat to you and you've picked a great day for the show I'm not going to lie it's really great so uh, thanks for coming on thank you big thanks to Derek and uh, all the team at the museum it was a great day more to come on that uh, hopefully next week on the show so keep your eyes peeled for that up next, it is time for our, well, it's time for our Captionist competition we run every Wednesday. Uh, we put the picture on our Facebook page and uh, ask you to leave your wittiest captions on. Matt's going to pop it up on the screen. And uh, for the benefit of you watching or listening, I should say, on the audio podcast, uh, the picture this week, well, it was a bit of a stealth picture, wouldn't you say, Nev? Yes. Um, this. <laughs> There's, it looks like a sort of a, a parts bin, uh, <laughs> doesn't it? Um, but uh, yeah, there, there's well, the, the the ladder and the undercarriage, all the undercarriage wheels and tyres are there, but uh, no other aircraft. Um, so, yes. it, for those of you who like your uh, your Star Trek, this is kind of like the Klingon version of a fighter jet with a cloak engaged. <laughs> there we go. Uh, kicking off, Nick. Nicholas uh, said, uh, uh, thanks for this one, Nick. Uh, this time, Carlos's aircraft parts collection had gone a step too far. Thank mm-hmm. you uh, Sue, who is somebody I know, actually. Oh, is it? Um, <laughs> she says, you've heard of the Emperor's new clothes. 
The Emperor's New Wheels, yes. Matt, do you want the next one? Or you... uh, no, sorry, wrong screen. Sorry. Okay. Too much uh, going Richard, on. Richard says, Goodyear lags behind the latest stealth technology. <laughs> Very good. Uh, uh, Richard, I don't know if it's the same Richard or another one, uh, but he says the F-35 ki uh, kids went too far when buying... Uh, sorry, when burying dad on beach <laughs> yes, very good and uh, uh dirk says uh, current development status of viable supersonic passenger aircraft brought to real life display and we've got some ones in the uh chat room uh, richard adams says uh, cloak jet very good very good <laughs> Uh, Arnie says he saw a stealth aircraft like this at the CAFB air show. What, what, what uh, would what? that be? Okay. <laughs> Sit, was that be Californian? Right, pre, yeah, or um, Canadian Air Force Base show. Mm. Don't know. Don't know. Yeah, Captain Ridiculous Wits uh, says the new jet we built is so fast, even the wheels can't keep up. <laughs> right, okay, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yes, for those of you who commented, thanks for your comments this week. We'll run another one next week on the show. So keep your eyes peeled to our social media on Facebook for next Wednesday. And I'll pop another oh, amusing picture up for you to comment on. Indeed. Uh, so thanks for that. Moving swiftly on, as we've got loads, to, well, we've still got a little bit to do before we wrap up. Yeah, Nev, running out of time. Yeah. You've got the book competition, <laughs> Matt, uh, Nev, even. Uh, what's going on with the book competition this week, Nev? Yes, we didn't run a book competition last week due to uh, all sorts of reasons, but uh, it's back uh, this week, and um, we are offering it's this book here uh, from Grub Street Publishing called The Fleet Air Arm Boys. Uh, this is actually volume four by Steve Bond. Uh, a lifetime of reminiscences from the flight deck, and it's uh, two hundred and eighty odd pages, and it's quite yeah. a hefty volume actually. This one. There's also then? volumes one to three, which we don't have, but we do have volume four. Um, and I was reading a little bit uh, of it earlier on. I was fascinated by some of the stuff that's in there. Uh, so this week's question is: bearing in mind it's Riat week uh, this week. The question is, where and when did the first Royal International Air Tattoo take place? Where and when did the first Royal International Air Tattoo take place? Your answers, please, to podcast at plaintalkinguk.com and we shall read out uh, or uh, select a winner from the, uh, the hat on next week's show. That question again, where and when did the first Royal International Air Tattoo take place? There we go. Answers via email, please, to the question, as Nev said there. And uh, next week, you could be the proud owner of that book. Fingers crossed. So more on that uh, next week on the show. So make sure you tune in. Uh, going to take a quick look at social medias then before we wrap up the show. Don't forget you can find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Look for And also Threads, by the way, UK. if you're into that. And Threads, whatever the yeah, hell yeah. that is. What do you mean, whatever? Uh, Honestly. I, I can't, I'm not getting another app. I've got way too many apps. <laughs> 
Anyway, <laughs> Facebook, uh, Twitter and Instagram, and or WhatsApp number, which I have on this phone here. Uh, if you send a WhatsApp to me, as Dirk did and also Nick did during the show tonight, uh, is plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six. Email the show, so email your answers to the book quiz, or you can email us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. It's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. That's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. We'd love to hear from you. Also, don't forget to check out our website, allthews.plaintalkinguk.com. On there, you'll find out more about us as the team. Yeah, you'll also find on there our shop as well, where you can purchase yourself a PTUK T-shirt, and you can also get yourself a PTUK mug and a military grey mug as well, if you want one of those. I know uh, Jonathan Warner has has taken his to react this weekend he sent a picture of his mug proudly on display uh, at his post there near the runway at react so thanks for that mr warner uh, get yourself a mug on it you'll also find on our website all the links to patreon and paypal if you want to become a patreon or paypal donator of the show it very, is very much appreciated by us as a team because it helps us to bring out the content to you each week as we do along with all our air show commentary and interviews that we do as well it all helps to uh, to push that along so big thanks to everyone who is a patreon and paypal donator and that is about it guys and girls for the show uh, quick nev what are you up to next week boom um a bit of traveling around uh, in the united kingdom uh, peterborough i think on monday and uh, london on tuesday Ooh. and some other bits and pieces uh, no flying this week but uh, yeah quite busy at work at the moment so uh, rather full-on i'm pleased to say and miss mm. smith I don't know, actually. I haven't got a lot yet. Uh, I mean, go go and pick mum up on Monday, obviously. Um, But, uh, yeah, I've got sort of... I was uh, outside broadcast tomorrow afternoon. Obviously, radio as normal, same as you. Um, But, yeah, so a nice chilled weekend, hopefully, all being well. I like the sound of that. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I'll be on the radio tomorrow at 10 o'clock, or after Matt, when he Mm. finishes his breakfast show. And uh, tomorrow evening, I shall be partaking in a barbecue with beer. Oh, dear. So I'm looking forward to that very much indeed. Oh, dear. So that is all we've got time for. Episode 460. Oh, blimey, guys. 464. Where did they all go? Uh, Don't forget to join us next week on the show. We'll be back at 7 o'clock next Friday night here on YouTube uh, with uh, all the latest news and events from the aviation world. So on that note, have a great weekend, whatever you're up to. And stay safe, and we'll see you all next week on the show. Take care, everyone. Have a great weekend. Say goodbye. See you. Bye.